Hey, it's Andrew. Just quickly before we start this episode, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing Podcast. Now, I don't need to explain what it's all about because the name of it is so good, but here's why I like it. Firstly, the hosts not only know what they're talking about because they've been in the cybersecurity marketing world for so long, but also Jenna and Maria make it fun. They have personalities that come out in the podcast and it draws you in. And secondly, they get great guests and together they make super useful episodes. My recent favorites were the one with Ross Halliluk, who is a marketer, but also just published the book Cyber for Builders, all about how to start a cybersecurity company. Or the one with Joe Evangelisto, the CISO at NetSpy. Or even the one all about telling stories in cybersecurity with Mitch Main. I could go on with quite a few more. And by the way, I'm not getting paid for this. I just really enjoy Gianna and Maria's show. Check it out. It's the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing Podcast. Now, on with this episode. Welcome to the Sales Bluebird Podcast, where we believe that it's just plain wrong that sales teams at startups don't get the help to succeed like sales teams do at their bigger and more well-known competitors. If you're a seller or a sales leader at a B2B startup, especially if it's in the cybersecurity area, you're in the right place today. I am your host, Andrew Monahan, and welcome to episode 92 of the Sales Bluebird podcast. As I said on the last episode, we rebranded. So if you're expecting to hear this is the Bite Size Sales podcast, actually what, what I've done is rebranded this uh, all under the Sales Bluebird name. It's a brand or a name that seemed to resonate a bit better. And from my perspective, keeping things simple is is always better for me. So that's why we're all under the Sales Bluebird podcast name right now. So I'm recording this in uh, mid-January 2022. I'm sitting here in Colorado. It's a cool but very sunny day outside. It's beautiful. In fact, blue skies all around. There's a little bit of snow on the ground. I'm down in the Denver metro area, so I'm not up in the ski towns. But uh, down here, we got some snow on the ground. There is snow up in the ski resorts, not as much as I think they would all like, and nothing like what everyone's getting in Lake Tahoe right now, seeing some of the photos coming out of there. It's crazy how much snow there is. So you guys must be just loving it in uh, the Bay Area, being able to go up there and do some good skiing at this time of the year. And frankly, Tahoe you know, it deserves it, right? They've had a few years of, of uh, not much snow. So good for Tahoe for getting so much and probably having a real boom for the local economy, which is much needed. For me, just coming out of the holiday period, as we all have, uh, I was really, really lucky and fortunate. My mom and my sister joined us for the holiday period. My mom is 81 years old. She lives in Scotland. I was born and bred in Scotland. She still lives there. And obviously, like all of us, she's been under various lockdowns for for a while. And in fact, in Scotland, they've been really strict about the lockdowns over the last uh, couple of years. And there's been times where she's been stuck in her little apartment for, for weeks on end. And for her, she enjoys coming out here. Obviously, getting to eighty-one, you know, she's fit, but uh, you know, it has a bigger impact on your body. Obviously, at that age, so it's not something she does too quickly. But it's been almost three years, I think, or about three years since she was over. So it was a great opportunity for her to come over. 
uh, see the grandkids. I've got two girls who are teenagers, and it was great for her to be able to to hang out with them and and uh, be part of the family. Just hanging out in the house and helping out and you know interacting with the kids was just a joy for her. So that was great. My sister came as well. She kind of sort of surprised us. Uh, she lives in London. She came out to, to Denver and joined us for Christmas and New Year. She's still here. She's taking an extra f- a week or two. She can work from uh, anywhere, really. So she's working during the day and, and hanging out with us in the evenings. And actually, my sister and I are going to take Wednesday off this week and go up and do some skiing, some good brother-sister time. So it's been super fun having them. When my mom comes all this way, she stays for quite a few weeks. Obviously, it's not just a long weekend trip from Scotland, especially at that age. So it's good that she comes for so long. But as you guys know, like anytime you have a, a visitor uh, staying with you uh, for a long period of time, it certainly changes the, changes the dynamics of how the family functions. And in many ways, it was good. Um, but I think she was looking forward to getting back into her own home. And she must have enjoyed herself, though, because she said that she was looking to come back in the summer. So we as a family have had a great time together, reconnecting and hanging out when, you know, like many of us out there in the world haven't been able to do for, for quite a while. So today, episode 92 is a solo episode. I don't have a guest to interview today. But the topic is one that is relevant because I, I work with teams all the time. And this thing comes up again and again and again. I think the best way to think about this is, you know how when you're in a first meeting, second meeting, or frankly, any meeting, but especially early stage meetings with prospects, and you're going through your process with them and they're working with you, but you kind of feel like they're getting frustrated or you're losing them. They're no longer paying attention. They're they're kind of getting distracted too easily, things like that. I'm sure... All of us have experienced this over the years at various times. There could be lots of reasons for it, but the one that I see again and again is the concept that we as salespeople are taking too long to do whatever it is that we have to do. And I'll give you three examples of that that are absolutely real, that are are pulled from coaching discussions I've had with teams in the last few months. First one, I had one seller who had to explain a slide, one slide in the first meeting deck. And the one slide of just them talking to explain it took four minutes, 55 seconds to go through. So one slide took four minutes and 55 seconds. And it wasn't that complicated a slide, right? They just took so long to try and explain what was there and make the point and even ask the question. So just them talking was four minutes and 55 seconds. Another example I had was I was listening to a gong call with uh, one of my clients of one of the the sellers. And in a first meeting, it was half an hour. The seller asked 23 discovery questions. I'm a huge fan of discovery and I'm a huge fan of questions to drive discovery. But I was listening to them asking those questions. You could sense the prospect just getting more tense by the moment. And I was sitting there kind of cringing a little bit. You know, read the room, read the room is what I was thinking in my mind as, you know, one more question, one more question, one more question. And and what about this? And what about that? And the, the prospect was frustrated, right? You could, you could sense they were like, God, 
do how many more do you have is what they were thinking i think third example back to using uh, a first meeting deck one client had 21 slides in the first meeting deck and i mean 21 content slides not you know including title slides and and things like that right it was 21 slides of content and the calls that i was listening to they were trying to get through 21 slides but of course they couldn't it was it was too much and what they ended up doing almost every single call was skipping a few it was like you know 1 2 skip a few 10 11 skip a few 14 15 right and you i was wondering like, why would you have all those slides if you're not going to use them and the prospect you could see, sense them beginning to understand, you know, there's a lot of slides here. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder how many they've got. And let me just see if I can move them along a bit faster, right? So in each of those situations, what was happening was we were trying to do the right thing, right? We were trying to do the right thing, but we lost the prospect along the way. We lose them in the deck. They get bored and frustrated with with the questions. And what is definitely true is at any time where you're trying to tell someone something, if you try and tell them too much, you lose control over what they remember. So let's go back to the the two slides, right? So the the four minutes, 55 seconds explaining a slide. There was a purpose to that slide, but the slide was there for a reason. And I bet it was probably only one or two reasons it was there, hopefully. But you would never know that from what the seller was doing. And the prospect probably couldn't tell. They were getting told so many things. The seller had lost control about the one thing they wanted that person to remember or think about or ask questions about or get a conversation going about. Right? Anytime you do that, you've lost control. If you give someone one thing to remember and understand, they'll remember one thing. If you give them 22 things to try and remember, understand, they'll choose the three or four that their brain will allow them to remember, right? You've lost control. Uh, A brain can only take in so much. And if you give them 22, they won't remember 22. They won't get it. They'll get bored. And then they'll take away the three things they want to take away and you won't be nearly so effective. So here is just one change, one thing to try that will make a big difference. Every salesperson can be more effective at selling, especially early stage, by trying this one simple technique. And that is the idea of giving yourself some constraints, giving yourself some limits, and responding to those constraints. So what do I mean by that? Well, at a really high level in the startup world, people naturally think it's really good that we've raised a whole ton of money, right? You see these announcements going out. We raised $30 million. Like, C round at $50 million, all this sort of stuff. There's one that I saw. It's like D round at $255 million, or It's crazy amounts of money. And, and there's no doubt, you know, money's needed to, to scale a startup. But there is the curse of having too much money. I remember I was at a startup in the early teens, early 20 teens, and we were really good at raising money, right? It was just something that we seemed to be able to do very well. But you know, looking back, there was definitely some things that uh, with a lack of constraints, we were doing things that perhaps we shouldn't have been done, right? We were doing things that weren't that important. And 
Anytime that happens, things get lost. And the power of the constraint is it forces you to focus on just what's most important, right? If you can only do something once or only do something twice as opposed to 10 times, you'll want to really think about the one or two things that you need to do, the highest impact and be most important. So let's go back to our examples, right? So what did I do in these situations? The first one was the person who took four minutes and 55 seconds to explain a slide. My my tactic with that seller was pretty simple. I said, I want to hear you give me the slide deck in the next day, and you have a maximum of one minute per slide. That's all you have to explain the slide, Right. And their first reaction was, wait, what, what? <laughs> uh, hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah, one minute, there's a lot of important points, right? These are important slides with complex concepts and all this sort of stuff, right? And I said, you know, I, I get it, but uh, I'm giving you one minute to do each slide. So I want you to come back to me with a version of the deck with one minute per slide, right? And they were forced at that point to think about each slide and say, what is the one point I want to make on each slide? Let's think about the 23-question discovery that I listened to. What did I do with that seller? What I said to that seller was, let's role play. Let's think about and then role play having that meeting if you could only ask three questions and that's it. Only three questions. I don't mean, you know, uh, three questions, one of which is five parts, right? I mean, literally, what are the three? If you could only ask someone three questions, what would you ask? And again, like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 what would you mean? <laughs> you know, we, we've got to do all this discovery. We've got to learn all these things. I said, yeah, I get it. But let's imagine you could only ask three questions. What would you ask? So they went away with the exercise. And then the company that had all those slides uh, to go through, the 21-slide first meeting deck with all the, the fonts and the text and the diagrams and all the rest of it, my challenge to them was, what is the five-slide version of this deck? What is the five-slide version? Again, it was like, whoa, 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 you know, hold on. You know, there's, there's all these important things that we need to explain to people and tell them about and all the rest of it. And again, I was like, I, I get it. But let's say you, you didn't have the time for that. What are the five slides that you would use? So these are all examples where you imagine a pendulum, right? Uh, a gauge or a pendulum. I could Think about something that swings left and right like a clock pendulum. You know, each in each of those situations, imagine what really is happening is the company or the people that were doing these behaviors were way over to, let's say, the left of the pendulum, right? It wasn't hanging down the middle in equilibrium. It was way over to the left. And they were really trying hard to keep it up there by doing the behaviors that they were doing. And what I'm doing when I'm giving them these constraints, is taking them way over to the right, right? So I'm, I'm just moving that pendulum way over to the right. So you go from having five minutes down to one minute. You go from 23 questions down to three questions on the right. You go from a 21-slide deck on the left to just five slides on the right-hand side. So I'm forcing the pendulum to go way the other way and challenge them to really think through that if you have these constraints and you don't have 
the luxury of being able to take all the time you want, how would you use that time? And this is a great way to really think about changing behaviors, changing habits, changing how you do things. Because actually what happens over time, and, and I'm not saying to that seller in front of a prospect, you absolutely cut yourself off at a minute, right? All I'm trying to do is get them back into equilibrium, right? So if they get it down to one minute per slide and they understand the concept that each slide has a purpose and we're trying to just achieve that purpose, maybe they'll go back to their equilibrium, which should be, I don't know, a minute and a half per slide or two minutes maximum per slide, right? Something like that. And rather than having 23 to three, maybe the right number of questions is five or six, but we're going into those, into equilibrium with the pendulum very intentionally. So the ones there are absolutely the ones we want to use with a prospect. So what's the takeaway for, for this? The first thing is be very honest and candid with yourself, maybe even be a little bit harsh. Think about where are you unconstrained and taking full advantage of not being constrained, right? Are you the person that has the way too long deck that you try and go through slide by slide? Are you the person that has the rambling, you know, never ending discovery? I, I kind of call it death by discovery. Are you the person that has to make eight points on this one slide and I'll get through it, whatever, right? Or do you have something else that, that you just look at and go, oh yeah, I, I need to rein that in. That needs to be better, shorter, more concise, more impactful. And then when you identify those areas, give yourself a constraint. Give yourself a constraint that makes you uncomfortable, right? And understand why you're doing it. Don't give yourself an easy out, right? Don't go for 23 down to 12, right? Just slam it right down to three. Do something that when you look at and go, ooh, this is going to be tough because that's going to force you to really think it through. And then once you've got that figured out, then give yourself the leeway to expand a little bit, nowhere near back to where you were before, but expand your constraint so that your pendulum comes back to the middle. Today's episode is sponsored by Unstoppable.do, which is my own consulting and training business for cybersecurity startups. You know how when you're searching for your repeatable, scalable sales process, but Everything's not quite that simple, right? Your your killer discovery questions aren't quite hitting home. You're starting use cases you're trying to search for. It's harder and harder to find those with prospects. Your first meeting experience, you, you kind of come out of the meetings wondering, did that person really get it? Did they really understand the value of what we do? Did I explain things well enough? And, and you kind of wish you had a partner to help you you massage and work with the usual things that we do in a sales cycle, especially top of funnel, to be more effective and get conversions coming through. That's where Unstoppable comes in. I partner with a very small number of sales teams at cybersecurity startups to help deliver the tools of the processes and the ones that are adaptable, importantly, changeable, and ones that will move and change according to the stage of the startup that will drive towards that scalable and repeatable sales process faster than if they did that themselves. Things such as you know sales messaging, sales execution around discovery, value-oriented discovery, uh, value-oriented sales methodology. These are things that I are working with my prospects. If that sounds intriguing to you, please contact me directly. My email is andrew at unstoppable.do. 
or you can text or, or call me directly on my cell phone at 303-956-0024. Right now, I'm talking to companies about their kickoffs. Some of them are looking for a morning session to tackle their highest and most important challenge in the sales cycle. And commonly, what, what we'll do is, is do a small workshop around whatever that is. Think about the training takeaways, the practice sessions that need to happen to try and solve that challenge. Again, if that sounds intriguing to you, contact me directly, andrew at unstoppable.do or directly on my cell phone, 303-956-0024. Talk soon. It would mean a lot to me and to the continued growth of the show if you'd help get the word out. So how do you do that easily? There are two ways. Firstly, just simply send a link to a friend. Send a link to the show, to this episode. Um, you can email it, text it, Slack it, whatever works for you and is easy for you. The second way is to leave a super quick rating. And sometimes that can seem complicated, so I've made it as easy for you as I can. You simply have to go to ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. That's ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. And it explains exactly how to do it. Either of these ways will take you less than 30 seconds to do, and it will mean the world to me. So thank you.